All right, well, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, for the first time in River Club history, the earlier service was louder than that. I'm just telling you, not a competition, but it kind of is. And I was playing, hey, my name is Zach. I'm the pastor here at the church. I want to welcome you, especially if you're a guest. Maybe you're here out of town visiting somebody, or maybe you're new to the area, or you've been here for a long time, but it's your first time to check us out here at River Club. I'm so glad that you're here uh, as we continue our series called Wisdom works. Hey, I want you to pull out your worship guide. On the back is a note sheet. I want to encourage you to take some notes today uh, as we follow along so that you can uh, be thinking about what God's going to share with us, not just today, but throughout the course of this next week. Uh, We're in a series called Wisdom Works. And what we're looking at is really the idea of how does God's wisdom speak to our life today? And really does wisdom still Work the, the the premise we've been looking at this this promise and idea is in uh, Proverbs two six through eight. Proverbs is a collection of teachings by a very wise man by the name of Solomon. He was a king of Israel. He was um, one who would would uh, teach and people would come from miles around to hear him. He had great wealth, and the thing that made Solomon really unique was that when God asked him what he wanted from God, what God could give him. As he became the ruler and leader of God's people, he said above anything else, he wanted wisdom. And God blessed him with incredible wisdom. Now, wisdom is knowledge that applies to our lives. And so these Proverbs are teachings of Solomon that are meant not just to be something we know about, but something that we live in our lives. And it says this in Proverbs 2, 6 through 8, that all wisdom comes from the Lord and so do common sense and understanding. So it's this promise that all wisdom, all practical knowledge comes from God. And the promise continues, says that God gives helpful advice to everyone who obeys him and protects all those who live as they should. God sees that justice is done and he watches over those who are faithful to him. And so we've been looking at this idea of, you know, what is God's wisdom for our life? You know, and really the question is, does this wisdom still work? Because here's what I I believe and I I know and understand is that in a room like this, we're all in different places when it comes to our relationship with God or our faith journey. You know, you may be here today and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And so you hear that promise and, and the question of does this wisdom still work? You're like, of course the wisdom works. God knows everything. God has been my leader. He's been my guide. He's, he's time and time again showed me truth and that truth has worked in my life. But there may be some here today where you're not at that place yet. And I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're exploring Jesus. You're exploring faith in God. You're exploring the Bible. And you've got some questions of does this wisdom, wisdom still really work? Does what this man wrote like 2,000 years ago, does it really work today? Is this something I can trust in and base my life around? And so we've been looking at, okay, well, the only way to really test wisdom and try wisdom is to test it out, is to apply it, is to say, okay, I'm going to take what God says. I'm going to try to listen to it. I'm going to try to learn it. I'm going to try to live it out. And I'm going to see what the result might be. And so we're trying to look at over the course of these weeks in the summer, God's practical wisdom, his practical teaching, his guidance for our lives in very foundational day-to-day, you know, uh, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday type of situation and type of things in our life. So we talked in the first week about just wisdom in general. What is it? How do we find it? How do we live it out? The second week, we talked about wisdom in our work. 
that how do we, you know, have wisdom in, in the things that God's called us to do, our jobs, our homes, our schoolwork, that kind of stuff. How do we make the most of that? Yes, last week we talked about is there wisdom in our words, in our words. So in how we say what we say and what we say, is there wisdom in knowing how to say what we say and what we should say? And we talked about that. And really the idea is this, that you don't want to waste your time on things that don't work in life. I don't either. And so God's wisdom, I believe, is a place where we can land to find out what works best for our life. And today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about God's wisdom in our decisions, in our decisions. We make 35,000 different decisions in an average day. Now, many of those decisions are not ones that take a lot of thought. There may be more reflex. They're more subconscious, like putting, you know, one foot in front of the other, you know, getting out of bed, doing that kind of stuff. There are other decisions that take a little more thought in our day. You know, am I going to go back for that second cup of coffee? Where am I going to go eat lunch today? Am I going to wake up? Am I going to church? You know, all those kind of things. Those are decisions. But then there's other decisions that are, are a lot even more important than that. They're decisions about life, decisions about, you know, do I take this job or that job? Do I take this promotion, although I have to move to a different area? Do, you know, do I say yes to his proposal when he asks me to marry him? You know, do I, do I ask her to marry me? You know, should we have kids? Can I return my kids? Like all those different questions that we ask, right? About, you know, just different kind of things, you know? You know, questions like, um, you know, should I buy this new car? What new car should I buy? You know, you know, should, should we stay married? That's a legit question that some of you are struggling with right now because the marriage that you hoped and you dreamed for isn't the marriage that you're living. And so you're, you're asking that question of, okay, is this worth committing to? Is this like, you know, what I need to be doing? Like, so you're asking these questions and these questions are the ones that, that keep us up at night. They're the ones that wake us up at three in the morning. They're the ones that we go back and forth on. They're the ones that we're like, man, I just, you know, I want to make the right decision. I really do. But I'm struggling with how do I make this decision? And if you're like me, because we all have decisions like that that we have to make. Those are easy, easy decisions, those daily decisions, those more important decisions. But if you're like me, the question that I find myself asking when I have to make a decision like that, and even when I make a decision is, how do I know I made the right decision. You know, how do I know that I made the right decision? How do I know that that car was the better car over this one? How do I know that 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 job was was saying yes to the right opportunity? How do I know that, you know, staying in my marriage and fighting for it is the thing I need to continue to do? How do I know, you know, saying no to my kid when, you know, their their friend's parents were saying yes, but I felt like that was the wrong thing to do? Like, Like, how do I know I'm making the right decisions? And how do I have some confidence in that? Because here's what I believe, is that you don't wake up on a day-to-day basis hoping to make wrong decisions. Like you didn't wake up this morning going, how can I screw my life up today, right? I mean, how can I, how can I spend my money in a, in, a, in a not smart way, right? How can I take the wrong job? How can I say the wrong thing to my spouse? How can I eat the wrong thing? Well, some of us woke up feeling like we're going to do that anyway. But like, you know, how, you know, how do I do these things, right? We wake up wanting to make the right decision, wanting to make the best decision. But how do we know we're making the right decision? How can we make better decisions in our life? How can we maybe avoid some of the, the, the negative consequences of the bad decisions we find ourselves tempted to make and actually make 
good decisions. Well, like so many things, Solomon speaks about this in Proverbs. In this, this teaching, this book of collected wisdom, collected sayings, we find that they talk about how we make our decisions. How should we make decisions? And there's a verse that's very familiar to probably a lot of us because, you know, even if you've not been in church a lot, maybe you've seen this on a journal, on a billboard, on a a bumper sticker, but it's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Write this down, because see, this proverb is one that has a promise and a premise. It's one that has a promise and a premise. Did you know that there are around 7,000 promises in God's word? That the Bible contains around 7,000 promises that God is saying, I'll do this. But every promise that God gives has a premise. In order for God to work, for God to show up, he says, if you'll do this, if you'll do that, then I'll show up. Then I'll, you know, fulfill my end of the bargain. And so this teaching of Solomon's is a proverb, but it has a promise and a premise. Well, what's the promise? The promise is found in the second part of this verse. He says, I will make your path straight. The promise is God saying to you, God saying to me, I'll make your path straight. Well, what does it mean for God to make our path straight? It, it means this. Some translations say he will direct our path. Other translations say he will choose, you know, help you choose the right way to go. Some say he will give you success. Basically, here's what the idea is. God is saying that if you'll trust in me, my promise is, is that I will get you to what's best. I will lead you and show you where to go. That if you trust me, as I'm asking you to trust me, you don't have to worry about the outcome because the outcome that's best for you is the outcome I'm leading you to. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep you from going on these endless rabbit trails and endless you know, back, backward you know, uh, roads and all this kind of stuff. That I'm gonna get you from where you are to what is best for your life, if you'll trust me. And God is saying, that's my promise to you. My promise is, is that if you will do the premise, I promise to take you to what's best. I promise to bring blessing to your life. I promise to use everything you encounter for good. All that promise is based upon this premise though. And the premise comes back to our part, what God is asking us to do so the promise can be fulfilled in our life. And here's what he says, that we need to trust in him with all of our heart. Do not lean on our own understanding and in all our ways, acknowledge him. So what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about how do we live out that premise? How do we trust God like Solomon says? How do we trust God in a way where the promise of God that he'll direct our life, that he'll show us the way to go, that he'll bring us blessing, that he'll bring us satisfaction and fulfillment, that that what God has for us, the best possible reality and plan can come if we'll learn to live out the premise. If we'll learn to trust God, not just in any way, but to trust God in a very specific way. Wisdom is found 
when we learn to trust God in this way. There's three different parts to what he has to say. And I was doing some study this week, preparing for this message. And I was reading some different commentators and commentaries and resources to kind of get some different opinions on, okay, this familiar passage. So what's, what's maybe a, a new part to this? What's maybe a way of looking at it? And, and I was reading in this book called Opening Up Proverbs by um, this guy, Jim Neuheiser. And, and how he talked about this verse, this jumped out to me. Has that ever happened to you? It's like somebody says something maybe in a message, on a devotion, or you're having a conversation with somebody. And the way that they talked about Scripture and the way they just described it was like, man, I can, I can grab that. And so I wanted to share with you how he talked about the kind of trust that we need for the promise of God to come in our life. Because I believe this, that no matter where you are today in your faith journey, if you'll learn to trust God in these ways, God will lead you where he wants you to go. God will show you what is right. He'll show you what is best. And so let's check these out. The first one is this. If if wisdom in learning to trust God is learning to trust God entirely. If you want to trust God, if you want to awaken the promise of God in our life, you need to learn, we need to learn how to trust God entirely. Solomon says in verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. Now heart, we've talked about this before, heart in, in the Bible is not just the organ that pumps your blood, right? Your, your heart is what is like the, the core part of who you are. It, it, it's, it's, it's your inner being. It kind of represents you on, on this complete scale. And, and the Bible says that we need to trust God with our whole heart. And, and it paints this picture in the, in the Hebrew words that it uses in the original language of this utter dependence upon God like being face down, helpless, and your only hope is for God to come and God to do something for you. It's saying, I want you to trust God entirely with all your heart, meaning this, that we don't trust God with a divided heart. See, the Old Testament shares with us much of the story of God's people, the Israelites, And one of the things that you see time and time again as you read the Old Testament is that the Israelites struggled with having a divided heart when it came to God. They struggled with a divided loyalty. They they would trust God one day, but then things would get hard or things would not work out so as well as they wanted it to happen or something like that. And then they would turn and they would worship a false God or they would adopt a false religion or something like that. And they had this divided heart. So they were all about God one day and all about something else the next day. And God, time and time again, including here through Solomon's writing, is telling us, listen, if you want to trust God, if you want God's promise in your life, you've got to trust him with an undivided heart. You've got to trust God entirely. Give your entire heart to God. Give your entire life to God. Because half-hearted commitment's really not a commitment at all. Look what Jesus says about this in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. He says, either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So in this passage, he's talking about money and talking about, you know, making money most important or making things most important, comfort most important, or God most important. But the premise is this. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't have an undivided heart and fully give your life to somebody. You can't have an undivided heart and truly be about that person or that thing. 
Yeah, I was thinking about it this way. Um, you know, I had a couple people come up last week and they're like, hey, pastor, it's, you know, 30 days or 35 days. And I'm like, till what? And they're like, till football kicks off, man. You know, they're like, they're ready to go. You know, it's like summer's good. I'm good with that. But, but football season's coming. Now, if you're new to the church, you know this, I'm a cowboy fan. Okay. And I'm a cowboy fan because they're the best team. But more importantly than that is because I grew up in Dallas. So if you're going to get mad at me, don't get mad at me because I have incredible loyalty, right? And so what happens though, is that because not everybody is a godly person and a cowboy fan like I am, we have this, this like banter during, during football season, especially with Redskins, right? And so, so you, and then you kind of have the some people, right? And I don't understand these people, let's be honest with you, that, you know, I'm like, well, are you a Cowboys fan or a Redskins fan? They're like, I'm a fan of both. I'm a fan of both. I like the Cowboys and the Redskins. I said, okay, okay, that's great. What do you do twice a year when the Cowboys play the Redskins? They're like, well, I just, I hope both teams do well. I'm like, you can't be a fan and feel that way, right? Like, how are you a Cowboy fan or a Redskin fan and not care, right? They're like, well, I, just, I like both teams. Then, then you can't truly be a fan. And here's, I mean, it's kind of a silly example, but, but that's kind of what God's talking about. He's saying it's impossible to really be all about God if you have an undivided heart. If you're a Cowboy fan who likes the Redskins too, in that game, you can't truly cheer for one team or the other because you have a divided heart. Like you, you have to be committed because commitment requires a, a, a commitment. It requires you to be all in. And, and maybe a not as funny example is, think about marriages. You know, so often marriages are not thriving and they, they end, frankly, because somebody at a certain point said, I'm going to give my heart to somebody else. That instead of me giving my heart fully to my spouse, they develop, an un, they develop a divided heart. Well, I love my wife, but man, I'm really intrigued about this person at work. I love my husband, but I, I keep thinking about it and I keep entertaining and having kind of this inappropriate relationship with somebody else. See, marriage doesn't work with a divided heart. Maybe you stay married, but you don't thrive. And trusting God with a divided heart means you can be a follower of Jesus. It means that you can come to church, that you can you know, say all the right things and do that. But you're not going to see God's fullness in your life unless you trust him entirely. Give your life to him fully, not just Sunday, but every day. And it's hard. It's hard because there's a lot of things around us that want to take our heart, that we want to divide our heart with. But when we divide our heart, we minimize God's promise in our life because he says what? That he'll direct our path if we trust him with all our heart. We trust him entirely. The second part that Solomon teaches here is that not just to trust God entirely, he says, and it goes hand in hand, that we need to trust God exclusively. We need to trust God exclusively. Part of what happens when we have that divided heart is we begin to trust God and we also trust something else or somebody else. But look what he says in verse five. He says, and do not lean on your own understanding. So this idea of leaning on your own understanding is this idea not just of inclining or resting, but it's, it's an idea of like supporting yourself. So, you know, let's say, you know, you're, 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 you, know, you can't walk, you have a broken leg or you're hurt. You know, you got to find something else to support yourself on. 
And he's saying, listen, don't support yourself on your own understanding. Meaning don't rely on your understanding. Don't rely on what you think and then what God thinks. Rely solely on what God thinks. It's this idea that, that, that we need to make sure that we are listening to the right source of truth. That when it comes to the lens through which we view what is right, what is wrong, what is best, what is good, that we view that lens, uh, that we view through the lens of God's word, the Bible, of God's timeless wisdom. And that's what it means to trust God exclusively. That at the end of the day, I'm not going to trust what I think. I'm not going to trust what you think. I'm going to trust what God thinks. And if what I think matches up with what God thinks, then there's wisdom to that. If what you think and what you advise matches up with what God thinks, then there's great wisdom to that. But if it's different, I'm going to go with what God says because God is the one, as we talked earlier, who is the source of all wisdom, all knowledge, and all understanding. That his timeless truth is the foundation that we need to build our lives on. But see, we're tempted, though, to not rely solely and exclusively on trusting God. We, we oftentimes want to trust ourselves. We want to, you know, think, well, what do I think about that? How do I feel about that? The problem is, is that our understanding as people, our feelings as, as people, they're, they're limited and they're not always perfect. The, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said this way. He said that in Isaiah 53, 6, that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. He says, listen, we're, we're, we've, we've all been like sheep. The, the sheep's job is to follow the shepherd. The shepherd is the one that leads them, that guides them, that protects them. When a sheep gets in trouble is when they turn away from the shepherd and they go their own way. That's when they get lost. That's when they get in harm's way because the shepherd is no longer there to protect them. And the Bible says, listen, we've all been like the sheep. Instead of following the shepherd, instead of following God, we turn to our own understanding, our own way, how we feel about that, what we want to do, how we want to live. And when we do that, we actually get off the path and can get off the path of what God has for us. And a lot of times what we think and what we understand and what we say makes a lot of sense. Because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty smart in my own head. I'm pretty argumentative and pretty influential in my own head. Like I can convince myself to do a lot of stupid things. And they seem really good at the time, right? Like the other day. You know, if, if you're part of our church, you know, my wife um, tripped and fell on the stairs and she broke her leg. And so, you know, we've gone through this whole like six weeks time frame of, you know, her you know, having to, you know, be on crutches and all this kind of stuff. And so life's just been crazy. Some of you guys are going through that now. You know, when, some, when, you know, when somebody's out, especially when my, like everything just doesn't work the same way, right? Well, so the other night, you know, we're sitting there and, and because of that, we had, my in-laws were in for a while. And so, so uh, one of my, my middle daughter was sleeping on an air mattress, you know, in one of the rooms because, you know, her bed was taken and stuff. And so it was time to take the air mattress downstairs. And I'm like, I'm going to ride the air mattress down the stairs. <laughs> right? Why not? Sounds great. I can stop myself, right? Now, mind you, my wife is sitting right here going, please don't do that. Please don't do that. 
we have, we have hospital bills. We don't need another one. I'm like, no, nah, it's not a big deal, right? So I jump on the air mattress and I take off. I almost died. Like, but for the grace of God, I'm standing here today, right? And as soon as I got done, I'm like, that was incredibly stupid. Like, my wife's right, which she normally is. But it's like, that made no sense whatsoever. But that's like a little thing. But man, we can make ourselves and talk ourselves into doing some pretty ridiculous things. And we got to recognize that our understanding, our desires are not always right and they're limited. But it's not just what we think. We're also tempted to, to give in to what other people think. Because other people have opinions. They have you know, pre- they pressure in our life. They have approval. And so sometimes we're not tempted to, to say no to God and say yes to us. We're tempted to say no to God and say yes to what somebody else thinks. And we make our decision based upon their understanding. But in the same way, their understanding is limited compared to God's understanding. Uh, look what... Um, uh, Solomon says about this, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. he says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Very well-meaning people in your life can give you some really bad advice. And sometimes they do it on purpose, but oftentimes they do it just because their understanding is limited. But Solomon says, listen, if you want God's promise of him directing your path and leading you to what's best, You've got to trust him exclusively, meaning that what he says is our plumb line. It's our standard. It's where we build what we understand upon. And so we need to trust him entirely, trust him exclusively. And the third thing is we need to learn to trust him extensively, to trust him extensively. Solomon says this in in verse 6 of Proverbs 3. He teaches this. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So it's in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge God? It's not something to give a head nod. It's this word and understanding of, of willingness to follow, of being obedient, of saying God is in control. God is in Lord. He is the, the boss. He is the king. So I'm going to do what he says. To acknowledge God is to acknowledge who he is and then live our lives based upon what he says. And Solomon says, if you want wisdom in making decisions, you need to to trust God entirely. You need to trust God, um, excuse me, extensively. Trust him in every part of your life. See, so often we want to compartmentalize God. And we say, okay, I'm going to trust God here, but I'm going to do what I want here. I'm going to trust God in this area, but I'm going to do what I think is best in this area. And you can trust God in nine out of 10 areas and that 10th area be the thing that keeps messing your life up and limiting what God wants to do and keeping you frustrated, keeping you in trouble. Because God wants to not just influence and speak into some parts of our life. He wants to influence and speak into every part of our life. And see, that's the great thing about God's word is that God has spoken into and gives us guidance in every area of life. If you're wondering what to do in your marriage, the Bible talks about your marriage. If you want to know what to do about your kids, the Bible gives advice and wisdom about your kids. If you want to know what to do at your work and how you should work, the Bible tells you how you should work. If you want to know how to spend your money and how to plan your finances, the Bible tells you how to do that. 
The Bible gives us advice and insight into every area of our life. We just have to be willing to trust God with those areas. You know, why is it that, that, that the same problems people struggle with and the same bad decisions people make who are not followers of Jesus, who are outside of the church, who are outside of faith, why is it that their bad decisions, the things that they do that trips them up, so often are the exact same things that followers of Jesus do? It's because we've compartmentalized God. It's because we say we're good with God on Sunday, but I want to be God on Monday. We're good with God when it comes to, to, to our family, but when it comes to how I spend my money, I want to be in control. When it comes to what I, I do at work, like that's a whole different ballgame than what I do when I'm at church. And when we compartmentalize those things, we don't trust God extensively. Because God wants everything. God has spoken to everything. God has given us truth and hope and joy and satisfaction and promises for every part of our life. We've just got to learn to trust him and trust him with everything. But see, what trips us up when it comes to trusting God, man, I know this has happened to me, is that sometimes what God says is best is not what I think is best. Sometimes what what I understand to be the right thing isn't what God says is the right thing. Listen, I, I've been there just like you have. You know, you've got this big decision to make. And so you, you, you kind of problem solve it. You want to be smart in this. So, you know, you, you talk to certain people you trust. You think through it. Maybe you've got a list of like, okay, here's the pros. Here's the cons. Here's what, you know, you start thinking, man, this really makes sense. God, if I do this, then I'll be able to, you know, maybe give you more money or I'll be able to, to have more time. Or if I do this, God, I know you could use this. And you, you've mapped it all out. And it makes perfect sense that what you feel like is best, what you feel like is the right thing to do is a good thing. And so you begin to pray about it. You begin to desire it. You begin to act like this is what you need. This is what you deserve. And then God shows up and does something different. And it leaves you frustrated. It leaves you questioning. It leaves you angry. Because God, it wasn't like this was a bad thing. But I don't understand why you took me over here. Or maybe God, I don't understand why you allowed me to go through that thing that I asked you not to make me go through. I don't understand why it had to be so hard. I don't understand why I'm having to go through a marriage problem. I don't understand why my, 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 my kids are not, are not responding to me the way that I think they should. I'm, I don't understand why this, this season at work is so difficult, but it seems like I apply for every other job and I keep getting rejected. See, trusting God in a way that brings his promises to our life is trusting God in a way that says, I'll trust you with everything. I'll trust you with the promise. I'll trust you in the process and I'll trust you with the payoff. And if the payoff to the promise is different than the payoff I wanted, I'm gonna trust that you know best. But for some of us, what's holding us back is that we're mad at God because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. But see, that's not trusting God. Trusting God says, I'll trust God 
extensively with everything, including the result. And I'll trust God knowing and believing what Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, 8. He says, for your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. Listen, God knows what's best for you and best for me. And sometimes it's exactly what we want. It's exactly what we pray for. It's exactly what we plan for, exactly what we hope for. But sometimes it's the exact opposite. But oftentimes it's somewhere in between. See, one of the coolest things about trusting God, and I found this out and I wish I learned it more and more. And I really, you know, applied this more and more, but because it's life changing is that when I trust God, God is then able to do things I could never figure out on my own. That sometimes God does what I want him to do. Sometimes God does what I don't want him to do. But a lot of times God does something I didn't even think about. There's this great story in the, the Old Testament of God's people found in, in the book of, uh, of Exodus. And God's people, the Hebrew people, were, uh, found themselves in Egypt. And over the course of, 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 of many, many years, they, they became slaves. And they cried out to God that God would save them, God would free them, God would redeem them. His promise was to take care of them would, would actually come true. And so God then uses this man named Moses to come alongside and propel the, and, and convince the Pharaoh to let the people go. And so after the, all these different trials and circumstances, the Pharaoh finally says, okay, take the people, let them go. And so the people are ecstatic because God has delivered the promise. They've been given freedom. They gather all their stuff and, and people gave them stuff because God was blessing them. And, and they, they begin to, to, to travel and to go to this promised land that God had for them. But as soon as they, they start going, the Pharaoh decides that he's not okay with this anymore. So he sends the Egyptian army after him to kill him and slaughter him. And so they find themselves on the bank of the Red Sea with the Egyptian army coming from behind wondering what's going to happen next. And they get mad. Why did God bring us out here just to have us die? You know, I thought God loved us. I thought God promised us. I mean, imagine what you're thinking as you're standing there going, there's a sea there and death coming this way. Why did God do this? It was better to be slaves than to, than to die here on the shore. And then God tells Moses to, to, to go and stand in front of the ocean to raise his hands up. And God parts the sea. It's taking the water on this side, the water on that side, and damming it up and allowing them to cross on dry ground. None of them had that in mind. None of them looked at their problem and said, well, let's just part the sea. Why? Because they couldn't do it. But because God had a better plan when things looked impossible, he made what was impossible possible. When they lost hope, God restored hope. When they didn't, couldn't find a way out, God showed them a different way. And there's a, a, a psalm in Psalm seventy-seven, nineteen that talks about this. And it says, your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway that no one knew was there. See what happens when we trust God? is God can actually do 
what we don't even have in mind he can do. That he can make impossible things possible. He can make uncertain things certain. He can make difficult things have a purpose. And if we'll learn to trust him entirely, to to trust him exclusively, to trust him extensively, if we'll trust him the way Solomon says to trust him, then his promise is, I will make your path straight. I'll show you where to go. I'll let you know how to be successful. I'll take you to what's best. But when we depend on ourselves and we trust our understanding, the ways of God might be hidden to us. And so here's the question or the statement I want to leave you with and kind of the takeaway for today. I need to trust God when it comes to blank. I need to trust God when it comes to blank. What goes in that blank for you? Is it that you need to trust God about a a work decision that's coming up? Trust God about a promotion or not a promotion, about this job or this opportunity or not? To trust God about, you know, what to do with your marriage? To trust God about what to do with your kids? To trust God about a big decision coming up financially? To trust God about you know, maybe where to go to church and where to jump in and get involved in a church. Like, what is it that you're facing right now that's that big decision you have to make that that God's saying, listen, wisdom is found when you learn to trust me, to trust me with all your heart, not to lean on your own understanding, but to lean on what I know is best and to acknowledge me in everything. No area too small, no area too big, but will you just trust me? So what do you need to trust God with today? Where maybe are you struggling in trusting God? We're going to sing a, a song together as part of our response time. And it's, just, it's a song that just comes back to reminding ourselves of this promise that, that God is with us. And that when God is with us, God will direct us. God's word says in the New Testament that if we lack wisdom, if we don't know what to do, we can ask. And God will give it in abundance. God will show you the right decision. Now, you may never be 100% sure. Annie Stanley, a a pretty well-known pastor, says that he's never been more than 80% sure about anything in his life. But that 80% got him to the place of saying, I have to step out in faith. And so maybe not every question will be answered, but God will be leading you. He'll be showing you. But will you follow him? Will you trust him? What today is that blank for you that you need to just commit to God and begin to practice this wisdom in your life? Let's pray together. Father, we come today and I thank you. I thank you that you are a God that speaks into every part of our life. You speak into the the mundane little things in life. You speak into the bigger daily decisions and the the big life-changing decisions, God, that we have to make every single day. And you say to us that if we'll trust you, God, with our whole heart, base our decisions on your understanding, if we'll 
follow you in every part of our life, God, that that you're going to lead us and you're going to take us to where you want us to go, the best possible destination we can come to. And so, God, I pray today that we would find the strength in you to do that. That we would acknowledge our need to trust you more. And where we lack faith or strength to do that, I pray we ask. And God, that you would show up. That you would strengthen us. Deepen our trust. Remind us of your presence and who you are. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.